So, um, hello everyone. This is the first ever episode of the podcast Meeting New Friends Through Tessie's Lens. My name is Tessie Anthony de Nassau and I have the great privilege to welcome today my dear friend and sorority sister, Paola Diana, to be my first guest. A native of Italy, Paola achieved a BA in political science and a MA in institutional relations from the University of Bologna before probing into the world of Italian politics. Since the day that she embarked on a career directing the think tank in support of former Italian Prime Minister Romano Prodi's political campaign, Paola has never been one to adhere to gender stereotypes, challenging the ideologies of male supremacists at every opportunity. Paola has established herself as one of the leading lights in the literature world as a result of her best-selling book, Saving the World, Woman, the 21st Century Factor for Change. Perfectly combining the theories of sociology, science and history, Paola has developed a niche for herself that has seen her lauded as a female activist, renowned for digging beneath the surface to uncover what truly constitutes a patriarchal society. As the founder and chairman of the Diana Group, leader in the recruitment and lifestyle sector, which has been recognized in the Spears 500 2008 as one of London's most influential service providers for high net worth individuals, Paula has also proven herself to be an extremely multifaceted success story. So, Paula, I am really excited to have you here today on my first ever podcast recording. Thank you so much, first of all, for your time. Thank you for having me. Um, so I will shoot off with a little bit of an introduction to yourself. I thought about how should I structure my first podcast and I came up with the first question is that I would love for you to briefly introduce yourself, like if you would meet me somewhere at an event or in an elevator. And I will give you three minutes for that to tell me what you think is the most important to know about Paola Diana in three minutes. Three minutes for me are really a short time, but I will try my best. <laughs> so I would tell you that um, I'm an entrepreneur since 15 years almost. Uh, I'm a mother of two grown-up children. They're my biggest achievement. And now my son is 20, my daughter, she's 17. So I started very early. And uh, I'm also an author because I love to write and I love to write especially about women's rights. Um, and I'm an activist for women's rights. So I did a lot uh, about that in Italy, of course, one of the most uh, patriarchal uh, societies in Europe. And, uh, and I'm now doing uh, as much as I can here in the UK because now London is my home. I would also add that I'm a martial art lover and nowadays uh, I'm a devoted uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. So every oh. day <laughs> I train, so I would tell you, watch out. You don't mess with you. Eh? That's incredible. And um, and then I would tell you that uh, I I'm part of a few networks of women uh, entrepreneurs and funders and uh, professionals philanthropists, uh, including the sorority um, in which we are sisters, by mm -hmm. the way, uh, because I strongly believe in networking, especially for women, because I think sisterhood is still undervalued, and actually we have to do more in order to support each other and to lift each other, because this is the only way united we win i love it beautiful and yes it's true we met at the sorority sisterhood and it was i think we women can agree that it's such a strong bond when you meet sisters in times of adversity tension but also in times of joy and and success the sisterhood what did it what is it for you just in a nutshell what did it bring you before we go on to the next question what brought me to the sorority? Um, I, I think it was uh, the need to find uh, sisters here in London because I, I just moved here five years ago and at the beginning it was only because of my business. Uh, but then I, I needed something more. I needed friends. Uh, I needed uh, someone who could uh, understand my struggles uh, because, you know, being a founder and a CEO is actually being very lonely because you are at the top, you know, you can't really share your um, your problems your thoughts you know your anxiety because many times you're just anxious you know because you don't know how things will uh, will go 
and uh, and also wanted to find uh, other feminists because I'm a proud feminist and I'm coming from a country where um, seeing yourself uh, declaring that you're a feminist is kind of a, saying a bad word that this is incredible but it's true you know and uh, I hate that of course because for me feminism is a beautiful word and being a feminist for me is the biggest achievement for a woman and for a man as well you know because it means that you're really empathic you really want uh, only the best for other girls and other women you know not only around you but around the world so i needed to find uh, uh, women who are like-minded and uh, who could understand me and yeah so that's why i i joined the sorority and i actually found these women so many of them they became my closest friends including you (laughs) So I would love then to hear how did you, well, we know how you met me, but what was your first impression of me? Because I think that would be really interesting for the, for the listener to also get to know and what people think when they meet me. And I would love to know that too. Sure. I, um, I look at your smile and uh, I thought, and your eyes, and I thought that you were a very kind hearted person without really talking to you so much you know at the beginning and but this is what the first impression you gave to me and then we had a dinner i remember with another common friend and we really shared our stories and we were very honest and we we talked about our problems you know in childhood and growing up um, related to divorce and everything and I really felt I was close to you i really felt uh, and thought oh my god i hear her you know, I, I'm with her. So I felt the connection. And uh, even if we're very busy and we cannot, you know, stay together every day, uh, I, I feel I'm close to you, you know. So I know that you're there and I, I hope you know that I'm here, you know, and uh, that we can support each other. And if there is a problem, you can just tell me and I can do the same with you, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's really, really humbling. So now we will go over to kind of like a little bit of a warm-up questioning. Um, So I have a few questions for you, which are kind of like fast questions. You may take a minute to answer them, but uh, it's just like really like shootout questions to get you warmed up for the core of the interview. So are you ready? Yes. Perfect. (laughs) So a question I like personally a lot is what would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger me, Paula, uh, everything would go well. Just relax. Everything would go well. Don't worry. Beautiful. Who inspires you? A lot of women who are successful in their own industry. A lot of strong women, fighters, uh, women who don't uh, accept the rules, who wants to break the glass ceiling, who wants to try, even if they fail, but they, at least they tried. So, I mean, there are so many of them uh, living now or even, you know, who lived in the past. I mean, if I I think about women who are living now, I I would say immediately Hillary Clinton. I would say, uh, I I mean, um, not living now, but I loved her, the toucher, you know, the Iron Lady and uh, many other feminists, you know, who really, really changed the, the world where we are living, like Emily Pankas, you know, with the suffragette movement. Mm. Uh, she did so much for us. And also, I'm sure that there are many other women who I would have been inspired by, but I know I don't know about them because the history books were written by men. And the society, you know, in the past centuries were all about men, you know, men were only in the public sphere. We were only, you know, in, into the domestic sphere. So that's very sad if I think about that, because mm-hmm. I'm, I strongly believe that there were other, you know, super warrior women, you know, uh, paving the, wall, uh, the, the way for us. Wow, very powerful. So um, then who inspired you as a kid? Because that's always the thing, you know, how did you get all of this going how did it start it uh, i love this question but i'm afraid when i'm i was a kid i can't really remember uh, a woman who inspired me i i i really think i was uh, i was missing a role model and this is very mm. sad because i think we all need role models mm. what helped me was the opposite i knew what i didn't want to be I knew that I didn't want to become uh, a housewife, uh, staying at home, only you know, doing uh, laundry and uh, housekeeping or taking care of my kids. Not because there's something bad with that, of course. I mean, I respect women who do that, but I felt this uh, 
fire inside of me, you know, mm. a fire that wanted me to become my own boss, a fire that wanted me to become free, not having a man commanding me, you know. And this is maybe has a lot to do with my childhood, but maybe we can talk later. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and I think it's also really powerful to say that and to admit that you didn't have that role model when you were a child. Because I think in today's society, that question always comes up. And it is even when people ask me that. And it's a difficult question. And it's difficult and to admit, well, I didn't have one. Yeah. Because it almost seems like maybe that's not good enough then for people to hear that. And I think it's a powerful message because I as well, but besides my father who inspires me a lot. But when I was a child, I always, I also didn't always feel so inspired by it as I knew I was on a mission, but it was not, it was not because of someone that I did it. It just is inside you. And I think that is such yeah, a beautiful message you're giving. So um, we know you grew up in Italy. What would you like our listeners to know about Italy and what is the best about Italy? Okay, so Italy is a wonderful country. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, I think Italians are also very creative and uh, very sociable. Um, I really love to hang out with Italians when I find them. <laughs> But we have many problems. So being an entrepreneur in Italy, uh, it's very difficult. You're like a hero. In fact, every time I say if I succeeded in Italy, I can succeed everywhere in the world. <laughs> Because our system is not really particularly good for mm. entrepreneurs. It's still like a communist, you know, system, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I would say Italian food is delicious. It's my favorite one. <laughs> I <course>. agree. <laughs> go, go on holiday in Italy, please, because it's the most beautiful country. But apart from that, I'm actually happy to live in London now. And uh, I really find myself uh, as a Londoner. Very nice. Thank you. So um, going back a little bit to your childhood, what was your first memory as a child? This is a tricky question for me because I don't really have uh, early memories, unfortunately. Um, I think I have the first memories when I was around my eighth or ninth year. And uh, yeah, not oh, quite happy memories, mm. unfortunately. I'm sorry. And um, yeah, so I, when I see the pictures, actually, when I was uh, young, I, I see the pictures, but I can't really remember. So I think it was maybe my, it's, system that I have eventually other people have the same you know when you shut down your memories because eventually they're not so happy so you you just want to you know survive go on and mm. be happy and and so you you just move on and uh, yeah I think this is what happened to me okay well thank you so much for sharing that um so going over to something a little bit more cheerful what was your biggest achievement My biggest achievement are my children, for sure, mm. and they're young adults now, and every time I look at them, I'm like, wow, I'm their mother. <laughs> how, old, how old are they? Uh, my son is 20, yeah. and uh, he's almost two meters tall, oh, wow. and my daughter, <laughs> she's 17, so yeah. When Eat I, your vegetables! <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> when oh. my friends see them, they're like shocked, they're like, oh my god, I can't believe they're your, you know, your children, mm -hmm. because uh, thank god I look younger, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I think they are my biggest achievement. And then, of course, my company. I'm proud uh, to have founded my company because, of course, mm. uh, it can sustain me as a single mother, my family, mm. and also the families of my employees. So yeah. I, I'm really happy, actually, to provide, you know, jobs. And I, I'm also proud to hire women. The majority of my, you know, employees are women. And We go, we go into mothers. your company later. We don't want to <laughs> give too much away yet. Okay. Um, so another question, you know, as Italian, I'm half Italian, my father's Italian um, from from uh, the background. And as Italian, we have kind of like a little bit of a temperament. Some people listening to this might have a little smile on their face. Like we tend like maybe to throw a glass of wine in someone's face or something. Some things like that could happen. So um, did you ever lose it? And why? 
quite good actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> not losing control <laughs> but I think because I I train a lot and I train a lot during my life so eventually you know I use all my energies <laughs> in my training uh, yeah I think uh, I'm quite good uh, eventually sometimes I I shouted maybe but then it was the end of the relationship <laughs> so yeah I, I don't really like uh, too many confrontations i find mm. it uh yeah too energy consuming yeah <laughs> well i i one memory i have of you was at the court world float like a butterfly ball where we are both on the committee for the third year now where you very very kindly accepted to box and how many seconds did you knock out the other woman in how many seconds was that again <laughs> i think it was one minute <laughs> <30 seconds. laughs> like we were all cheering it was the funniest moment because there comes paula woman boss in all of its glory and we were all paula 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 and then it started to get the match and literally yeah a minute later the other woman was ko on the floor and we were like what happened is it over your hand was raised in the air and you won it was so impressive so i can understand that um you must have resort you must resource yourself a lot into the sports which really calms you down yeah, 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 totally. very impressive so um if you would have a magic wand what would be your biggest wish oh i love this I love this question because uh, I, I'm still a dreamer. So I hope one day eventually mm -hmm. I will really have a magic wand. You never know. Uh, my biggest wish truly would be to end uh, the suffering of uh, girls and women around the world. Mm -hmm. Every one of them. Seriously, every one of them. Because I, I think this is, uh, uh, this is unacceptable anymore, you know, to discriminate, abuse and uh, violate women. Absolutely. No, I am with you as a fellow activist for that as well. I really stand strong with you. And it is really a shame, um, well, in developing countries, but also in, in the UK, in Luxembourg, in France, in Italy, we still see quite a lot of domestic abuse. We quite see a lot of uh, um, violence and uh, mistreatment and inequality. And uh, I think, um, yeah, that is something we definitely will go on a little bit more further because I would love to hear more about that and also your book, um, which you wrote about exactly that topic. So last question for these short questions. What makes a woman an activist in your opinion? A big heart, uh, a lot of empathy and uh, a fire inside of you, a passion that you cannot stop. So you cannot live without this is this is your mission so you have to be an activist uh if it's for the climate change if it's for women's rights if it's for children's rights whatever you know you need to have this fire inside of you burning mm. beautiful i totally agree with you so that was the questions part one how do you feel good <laughs> are you enjoying yourself yes very much i, I always love to have a conversation with you uh, i'm a bit nervous you know it's my first time and i really <laughs> want to get it right but it's so much fun at the same time and it's the questions are just coming all into my mind maybe there's a new profession here for me as yeah. a as a presenter so questions two which will be a little bit longer i would dive i would love to dive a little bit more into the the heart of Paula, what drives you, your work specifically as well, um, and your book. So keeping that in mind, you're a businesswoman since 14 years. What do you do for business specifically? And how did you get into it in the first place? So I'm an entrepreneur because I founded my own company um, many years ago when I was in Italy. I, I literally copied the business model that I found here in the UK, in London. And as there wasn't something like that in Italy at that time, I, I built the same type of uh, company in Italy. So my idea was very basic. You know, I just saw a need in the market. Uh, at the time, it was very something very simple because it came from my own personal need as a mother. Mm -hmm. So I needed a British nanny for my kids. That's it, because I wanted to raise them bilingual. And it was very difficult in Italy to find one. So I thought, let me do that. You know, let me, as I found the British nanny for myself, I can find one for my friends and then the friends of the friends. Uh, and then I started building a website. 
Yeah. I was working for uh, the business school uh, where uh, I graduated with my master's degree at the time. Um, it was a very bad situation because I was kind of discriminated and bullied. And uh, why? Why? Happy. Tell me about a bit. Tell me a bit about uh, it in detail. The, um, the CEO wasn't accepting my independency of thought and also mm. uh, it wasn't really respecting the contract that I had at the time because yeah. I accepted a contract that was uh, it was a very uh, not given a lot of guarantees. In Italy, we used to call them coco cos. So it was like a temporary contract with no maternity leave, uh, no you know, holidays mm. paid. Whatever. But mm. it was fine for me because I accepted, you know, I had uh, two young children at the time. So I said, uh, I'm happy, you know, because eventually uh, I have to do the school runs. I will be late, you know, I don't want to be, you know, enrolled as a proper employee. And so he promised me that at the beginning. But then uh, after a few weeks, uh, everything started changing. So... Mm. They were actually telling me off because I was coming, you know, half an hour late uh, or something like that. But because of my contract, I should have done that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I just reminded him in a very strong email, what is the law in Italy and why Mm. it was outrageous, you know, for him to talk to to me like that and Mm. to, you know, pretend this. And uh, as I knew him before, because he was a very powerful man, he's a very powerful man, and um, we were actually kind of friends, we had friends in common, uh, anyway, uh, I knew him because of my political campaign before, you know, and uh, we were all, you know, supporting uh, central-left parties that should be, you know, the the parties uh, that are more for the, you know, the workers, you know, who care more about the rights of the workers and women, and so I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. Wow. I got that, yeah. <laughs> In my 20s. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that was very, very uh, <laughs> brave and crazy. What was his time. reaction? What so, came okay, back? So a month ago, he told me I would have fired you immediately, Paola. Like, you know, like st- as soon as I read the email. But he didn't. He didn't fire me because he couldn't. Because uh, this person we had in common, who was actually more powerful, he said, you can't touch Paola. Because, because, and I didn't know at the time, I, I didn't know yeah, anything yeah. I knew at the end, because I worked so hard, you know, for him and for the political campaign, yeah. also without being paid for a few years. And I was actually doing the work of uh, three people, I tell you the truth, seriously. Wow. And uh, so he said, you know, she needs this job, she's a single mother, you know, you don't touch her. So he didn't touch my job, but he stopped talking to me. And he stopped telling me what to do, what to do. So I, I had no direction. Uh, I had no one because... Uh, uh, which know, is my, the worst, isn't it? Was it was worse because I was at the time, you mm. know, the public relations manager. So you, you should, uh, you know, uh, talk with your CEO to understand <laughs> you know, what to do. And so, yeah, that was uh, real mobbing. And uh, I didn't care. I was going on doing my stuff, meeting people and doing my best. Um but yeah, the, the, the working place was really mm. bad. And, and so I had the idea to fund my own business. So I started working during the nights to mm. create the website. And then I had a friend of mine helping me. And then after three months, when I felt, uh, you know, okay, I can do this. I have the first two clients. Mm. I, I was strong enough to quit. So I, I quit. Wow. That's really impressive. A question that came to my mind now Um what would you tell women out there, and also men, because I think mobbing happens to both genders, what would you tell someone who is experiencing mobbing at work? How can they find the confidence to say something? I think definitely they should find this confidence because the more people they know they can treat you badly, the more they do, because many times these people are cowards. But of course, I would tell them, find a plan B. Because many times you don't have someone protecting you as I had, you know, mm-hmm. even, even though I didn't know. Uh, unfortunately, many times if you speak up, if you stand up, uh, you're fired. And uh, But nowadays, thank God, there are different loads, you know, and especially in this country, mm-hmm. you know, in the UK. So you can find, you know, someone who can uh, protect you. You can find a good lawyer, you know. And so always, always speak up. It's it's horrendous, you know. Mobbing is horrendous. You and also, you know, you spend so much time in your office. You, you should, you know, work in a nice environment, uh, you know, in a friend environment. It's it's really really bad to find a bad boss. So I, I'm always careful, mm. you know, how I treat my uh, employees because I had this bad experience, you know, and I'm very empathetic. So I mm. always think, oh my god, but I should be them, you know. So yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that is that is really interesting because um, while I experienced mobbing myself at work, um, at home, and uh, in the military as well, so I do understand uh, where you're coming from, and it is really it is just really difficult because when you do speak up, I don't know your opinion about that, but I always had the feeling and even got told that I was ungrateful if I would say something. And um, I think that is just, uh, you know, how do you bridge the gap to understand that gratefulness has nothing to do with saying no, here's the line, and that's where it stops. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think everything comes from dignity, you know. You have to protect your own dignity and you have to, first of all, respect yourself and know your value. And so you have to pretend that other people respect you, even mm. if they're more powerful than you. And also, I strongly believe that uh, uh, kindness uh, should be something, you know, that everyone uses. So also your boss should be kind with you. You know, mm. it doesn't mean that you are the boss. You can treat me like uh, shit when I say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <know>? Beep. <laughs> <laughs> this shouldn't be allowed. So, um, But you know what? I think this has also a lot to do with the way men interpret, uh, you know, to be boss and businessman, unfortunately. Mm. Because many of them, they still think, you know, it's all about a fight. It's all about physical, you know. It's all about, oh, show off my power, you mm-hmm. know. I can treat you like that because I'm the man. I'm the one stronger, you know. Mm. I'm arrogant. I can do it. And this is completely wrong. That's why I think we need more diversity also in the workplace, you know, because we need more feminine energy, we need more kindness, we need more compassion, more empathy. And this doesn't mean that you're weak. Personally, you know, I think I'm very strong, actually stronger than many of these men, you know, yeah, who yeah, are yeah. arrogant and, you know, and not kind. Yeah, you're incredible. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm I kind, it's... you know, and if, whenever, whenever I can, I smile, I listen, you know, I take things slowly, I make my decisions, you know, not in a rush. I don't want to, you know... Uh, bully anyone so it's very very important that we Mm. give our own perspective you know on and we show how the business place could be you know with women who you know are leading and it's also very important that we don't copy men it's Mm. very very important because many times you know uh, my friends or other people i'm talking to they complain oh my god but i had this you know women a woman who was my boss and she was terrible you know she was was and I think, unfortunately, in that you know cases, it's because women they really take the bad uh, you know example of men and they try to imitate them. Mm-hmm. So they want to become like men, like them. So this is very wrong. We shouldn't do that. We should just you know be truth to ourselves and be ourselves. And yeah. it's good to be different. Absolutely. And I think um, well, going quickly uh, adding to the when you said the woman with woman at work. I as well personally experienced a very, very tricky relationship with one of a woman at work uh, who was on the same rank and really made me feel (laughs) it was a really horrible situation. And I think often, and I'm sure men as well listening, they will agree with me when they say woman at work is when they really get to each other, like it's war. And women with each other at work as well, there's a lot of competition because there's not enough spaces for, for example, when a woman finally comes to the partner position in a law firm, if she decided not to have a kid, because also if you have a child, then obviously you fall down the grid and then you very rarely make it up again. But if you then decide not to have a child and become a partner, there's not so many spots for women. So there's a lot of competition done again with women because of the lack of opportunities, I guess. Yeah, and it's so wrong. It is, isn't it? But in that perspective, so as a woman, do you find it difficult to work in your domain that you're working in? And also, I would like to add um, people who will watch the podcast with the camera will see that you are a very elegant, very feminine woman. Um, What I love about you is when, when... when you work and you uh, do all of the work you do, you wear these amazing dresses. You're always gorgeous, a little bit sexy. You really, you know, you're a woman when you work. Has that brought you as well problems that you just live out your femininity while also being an incredibly successful, knowledgeable and capable woman? Thank you. 
So um, it can be tricky because uh, um, many times men, they misunderstand and they really try to have an affair with you. I mean, it happened to me so many times, uh, especially when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, when I was working in Italy in politics. And the majority of them were married men. Uh, mm-hmm. There were politicians, there were journalists, uh, and they were really without any shame. They were just trying it. And, <laughs> and I was shocked. I was really shocked. At the time, mm. I was really pure. You know, I thought, if you're married, <laughs> you shouldn't be yeah. affairs. <laughs> then I changed my exactly. mind because I see the reality. And uh, and now, as, a, as an entrepreneur, it's different. So I had this eventually sometimes with clients, but I don't have really to meet clients, especially now anymore. You know, I just, you know, direct the strategy on my company. And um, and so it's it's easier. So, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, the more you grow, the more you feel that you're powerful, the more it helps. Because uh, I, I finally think I made it, you know. So I, I think I can... I transmit this and I, I actually it's a little bit more difficult for men because they feel a little bit you know intimidated, uh, yeah, <laughs> intimidated. Yeah, especially with your jiu-jitsu and everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no that's really good um so the question then going back to the woman with woman and then I have another one with the politics um have you ever encountered ad- adversity from other women and how did you react to that Like professionally, I mean. Sure. I um, I didn't as an entrepreneur, but I did uh, as an author. Um, unfortunately, uh, especially again in Italy, uh, I wasn't helped uh, in promoting my book by many women, as you know, as I actually thought it could have been. You know, I also founded an association in Italy. I was into many other feminist associations, so I thought, you know, they should help me, you know, promoting my book. Nothing. So I was really helped by a man. A lot of men, mm. thank God, you know, have uh, amazing, you know, male friends mm-hmm. and a few uh, women journalists that I have, uh, they're amazing. But even there, um, I remember especially one told me that she chose me for two minutes, uh, you know, um, appearance in this um, quite important uh, documentary on the prime time, you know, um, television. And she yeah. told me that... Um, when she proposed my name to the director and she's a woman the director said oh no 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 i don't want her uh, oh no because she deals with luxury she says and she said what does it mean i mean you know that's, what, what, what is this eventually because i'm successful you know so maybe this was annoying this uh, director i have no idea why it's serious but this is what happened and mm-hmm. then my friend she she told her listen are you sure you want to delete her name just because of that you don't know you know she's the one who wrote this book because i wrote my book first in italian and i published in italy and the book is all about you know helping other women you know inspiring other women empowering other Mm. women i mean do you know what she does and then she i think she felt ashamed of herself this director well she should yeah i think think it's not correct and then she said okay it's like double standards kind of thing it's like the hypocrisy when you have like a you do an event or your book or something. I, I have a similar story with an event actually where I wanted to attend and I was disinvited because of the fear of what another woman would do uh, or just because um, obviously they wanted to uh, to make sure that um, they get, uh, like it was almost like a, um, like a little bit of a, a begging uh, thing. And I thought it was so sad because it was a woman conference. And at the, at the woman conference there and as well as others, it's always about we empower each other. We don't uh, let bullying go through or mobbing or anything like that. And it really taught me a lot that what people say and what people do are two different things. It's and um, yeah, it's really just, you know, for the young woman listening now as well. Um, I think something uh, that I tell my mentees around the world is that um, we are all very different. Biologically, what we do, skills-wise, how we look, we have nothing in common. We might like some things, the same things, but that doesn't mean that we're in any way the same. So biologically, in competition and skill-wise, there shouldn't be a competition. It makes no sense. And when I say that in the classroom to girls, they always look at each other and I say, why 
Why do you talk bad about one another? You're so different. You should compliment one another, get to know one another, talk to one another. Um, and I think nowadays as well with online tools and social media, this has really increased, widened that gap of communication for the worse. What do you think? I, I loved your words and I, I see it as you see it. So I, I totally, I'm totally with you. Um, I think actually I'm positive. You know, I think uh, girls now, they are understanding this and mm -hmm. there's more sisterhood. I, I'm really positive. Uh, still, I think we are in a generation in which uh, it's more difficult. I see a lot of this competition. But you know what? What is the secret, I think, is just to confront openly the other person who does that and talk to her and uh, and show her what you think and what she's doing and actually tell her you know you, you really shouldn't be like that this is a shame mm. i mean uh, you, you can change everyone can change <laughs> so yeah just do that you know we have to speak the truth we don't have to be worried about confronting you know people I know that it's easier eventually you know to just turn our head on the other side don't say anything But I, I don't like that. As I love people to tell me things straight away in, yeah. you know, in my eyes, uh, I promise I do that. And even if I have to ruin a relationship, I don't care. I really don't care. Mm. So I, I think we have to do that. But And then you're right, you know, this shouldn't be the competition because we are all different. And actually, we can help each other, you know. I mean, and the more we talk about, especially women's issues, so the better it is. So even if there are, you know, one million speakers, two million speakers, two billion... Thank God, you know, yeah. I mean, I would love to see one, you know, in every corner of the city. Come on, yeah. we will change the world immediately, you know. Mm -hmm. The problem is that many, you know, others are just shy. They don't want to talk, you know, they don't want to speak up. So if you don't have uh, this light, you know, why you want to, uh, you know, you want to stop your sister to have, you know, this light. This is mm. so bad. But I think this comes from centuries, actually millennia. Uh, of a culture where the women were have to fight to find the right husband because this is what our job was let's be real now mm -hmm. okay so our job main job was to be pretty beautiful mm -hmm. and to hunt for the best husband this is insane because we couldn't work you know we we had yeah. to find someone who give give us the money you know and uh, we had to have children because you know without children you weren't considered you know woman unless you were none so this is so bad you know <laughs> that's why i'm actually yeah. positive you know and i also feel sorry for women because we went through a lot seriously Chelsea, we are survivors if i <laughs> yes, think from true. where we are coming from mm. you know and i always say If I was living in the past, you know, in the in the mid-centuries and middle age, I would have been burned as a witch for sure, because the best, you know, and the freer women, you know, and empowered women, they were just burned by the Catholic Church. So this was a genocide. They wanted to burn the best of us. They only mm -hmm. wanted, to, uh, you know, the submissive one to go on and to have children who eventually would have been, you know, submissive as well. Screw that, you know. I mean, we have to be warriors, and mm -hmm. uh, and so things are changing now. So you know, I, I think also girls they would stop to look at themselves, like you know, confronted their bodies and see, oh, are you skinny enough? You know, oh, are you young enough? Are you? Who cares? You know, I mean, we are more than that. We are mm. more than our body. We are more than our partner. We are more than our husband. We mm. can be our Amen own to persona. That. You know, yes. and. Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. And that is also one of the, the advocacy campaigns I'm also leading since, yeah, since a while, where I say a woman is more than a name. A woman has also capabilities because um, it's always funny that when something happens, people just look at you very differently, but that you, you know, went to university, for example, did your own companies, raise your kids by yourself, all of these different things that a lot of women have in the world becomes unimportant because obviously the woman has mm -hmm. changed in people's perspective because of a name. Um, so yes, we are still there. I think we're a little bit still in the medieval times, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thank God now we are recognizing that and yes. we're fighting that. That's the most important thing, you know, to keep fighting. So, talking about that then, I would skip 
two questions. I get, we'll get back to them, though, so don't worry. But tell me about your book. What made you write it? And what, uh, why do you want women and men to read it? I wanted to write it because this was the book I would have loved to read, seriously, especially when I was in my teens and, and I couldn't find something like that. So it's, uh, it's all about connecting the dots that I, I you know, the notions that mm. I studied while I was in university, especially studying history of religions or sociology. And, um, and then what I saw during, you know, my first experiences, especially when I, I was, you know, working as the, the only woman in this boys club, you know, the club of the politics, mm -hmm. and they were all powerful men, very smart, successful, and they were helping each other. They were just you know, doing a lot of strong, strong networking and mm -hmm. bonding. They were talking openly about power. They were talking openly about money about sitting in the parliament, about uh, being the board of a company, helping each other to get in there. And I thought, wow, women, they don't do that. You know, I never saw that. We're always ashamed, you know. we. I was brought up th thinking that I had to be humble, mm -hmm. that I have to be, you know, like, uh, stay there, don't talk too much, don't, you know, have too much light, wait, wait, you know, yeah, yeah, take the care wait of part. others, you exactly. know. Yeah. Why, you know, so I thought it was everything very wrong. And as I'm a passionate about history, I, I wanted to understand why, you know, this happened. So in my book, uh, I wrote a chapter, Born as a Woman, that is one of my favorite ones. And mm -hmm. I go through traditions and religions, and I connect the dots of all these horrible, horrible traditions mm -hmm. that are against women's bodies, you know, like the fe uh, female genital mutilation or the, um, the child, uh, you know, uh, marriage that is something horrible, you know, that I... I can't even think about and then i talk about the foot binding in china not everyone mm. knows about the existence of this uh, is it still happening no it's, it ended uh, at the mm. beginning of last century but it went on for more than two millennia wow Can you imagine? yes wow and it was a torture it was a mutilation a real mutilation so after the foot binding after two years uh, these women these girls these babies they couldn't walk anymore they couldn't walk anymore they needed the husband to help them, you know, to go from one place to another. Mm. Terrible, completely at the disposal of, of yeah. the other person, huh? yeah. the mercy, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. So I, mm. I write all these uh, traditions, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and I write, you know, the religion. And uh, the religions, they change, but the traditions are the same. So I show that actually what started, uh, it's something before monotheistic religions and what it was was controlling women's bodies that's the main you know frame this was the main you know thing that men wanted to control our sexuality would you our body would you argue that um the abortion laws in the us and not accept accepting them and uh, in alabama for example yeah. is it the same yeah absolutely it's controlling women's body because we should decide for ourselves we should decide. I mean, we can give birth. Let us decide. This is our body. So, and we are strong enough, intelligent enough, empathic, empathetic enough to make the right decision. You know, we're not horrible assassins. We're just women, you know, who have their own life. So if we think this is not the right time for us to give birth, that maybe also because we, we couldn't really take care of the, you know, the newborn, you should let us decide what is the best for us, you know? Mm. So um, it's all about controlling women's bodies. And it's very, very sad. This is what happened, you know, for millennia. It's still happening. And this is the base of violence. So everything comes from this sexual desire, you know, of men to control us. And if we think that still nowadays, ex-partners, ex-husbands, they kill their ex-partners and ex-wives so, you know in italy they kill almost three one sorry one every three days oh my goodness yeah really I think here in the uk it's almost one every week it's unbelievable it's horrible and we don't even know what is happening you know in developing mm. countries because simply there are no data you know i mean you can't know about femicides because uh, they're not you know just registered uh, we know that in many other yeah. countries, like in Nepal, uh, there is the horrendous uh, tradition of, uh, you know, the widows. Uh, uh, so when you become a widow, 
you are completely, completely estranged to, uh, from, from your uh, family and your community. Even if you are kids, they don't care. So you become poor, you cannot talk anymore, you cannot go to family gatherings, so you have no role in the society. It's like death, you know, it's like a social death. Mm. Can you imagine? And this is still Trouble. happening. And in these countries especially, it's even worse because uh, um, you are forced to get married when you're young, your husband is older, and, you know, life expectancy for men anyway is, uh, you know, uh, is early. So this man, for sure, they will die before the wife. So for sure, this girl is already predicted that she will have mm. this horrible, you know, life. It's like the punishment from the beginning to the end, really. Yeah. And it's so unfair, you know. So every time I read about these cases, I feel like a knife, you know, inside my heart. Mm. I feel it's so unjust. It's so mm. unfair. This shouldn't happen. So that's why I think all of us, uh, more of us, you know, men and women, but men as well, as well and women as well, we should, you know, just speak up and just fight, find the ways to change this. Mm. And in my book, one of the um, kind of, you know, uh, ideas that I give is to create a feminist diplomacy. So I think that all Western countries, mm. They should really, really change the way, you know, they uh, do their diplomacy and they should, um, you know, use this kind of uh, humanitarian feminist diplomacy. It means that, that they have to really, really give aid to, you know, developing countries only in exchange for the respect of women's rights. You know, it, it, it's a simple thing. You know, I give you something, you give me something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, very pragmatic and this should happen, you know, and unfortunately it's not happening because unfortunately the only things that matter nowadays are money, you know, money, arms, yeah. oil and gas. This yeah, is we see it with the climate change debate as well. Yeah. And everything. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, so with your book, how was your feedback so far? How did men react to your book? The men that I know, that I think they're very enlightened, uh, they reacted very well. They they love the book. Uh, I even had this uh, famous, famous sociologist in Italy. He's eight years old. He wrote the introduction of my UK version. <coughs> mm-hmm. And um, he comes from the south of Italy, very conservative, you know, uh, part of Italy. Um, he wasn't really a feminist during his life, <laughs> and uh, but it's very intelligent. It's never too late. Yeah. <laughs> Is very intelligent. Uh, he knows everything. Wrote like I think twenty five, you know, bestsellers about sociology in Italy, and he gave me the best compliment uh, the day after uh, he read my book um, the first time in Italian. He sent me this text message like Paula, uh, I really learned a lot of things that I didn't know. Mm. I mean, that a man like him, you know, tells me. Well, I think I'm nothing compared to him. You know, like I learned, you know, a lot of things. I was so shocked. I was like, wow. So it was worth, you know, reading it. It was worth, uh, uh, you know, waking up at five in the morning because I needed calm, you know, peace of mind Mm. to write and concentrate. Uh, It was worth it. And then, yeah, of course, I have also critics. Sometimes they call me for debates on TV and uh, they gave me as opponents as a man who are not really enlightened. <laughs> I would like to go back to the middle <laughs> I love age. it how you said a man who is not really enlightened. <laughs> Very diplomatic. And, and they, they, they just attack me. They tell me, you know, that feminists are the worst evil and whatever. And I, I just laugh. I just laugh, you know, because you know what? They cannot stop us. They cannot stop us. Mm. I, I mean, love it. Women are the biggest <laughs> factor, you know, of change. We I are more than technology. I promise you. I am totally with you. And I will definitely steal that phrase. These men are not very enlightened. <laughs> I love it. It's such a smooth way of say not much, but everything. Like it's fantastic. <laughs> so um, going back down to your business. So um, as you know, I launched my company, uh, my consultancy, Finding Butterflies Consultancy. Well done. And uh, thank you so much. Very exciting, busy times, I must say. Um, So for our listeners, what would you say are the five key steps of launching a business and why? Because obviously, you know, as an entrepreneur, how do you... How, where do you start? Why, how do you find your confidence? Um, also, logistic-wise, 
to say, I want to be my own boss. I want, I have an idea. I want to create my own business. What does need to be in place and where do you go and look for it? So first of all, you need a good idea. It doesn't mean that has to be necessary, really, really original that no one had this, you know, it can be just a good idea. Something, you know, that people need. You always have to be focused on the need, you know, because you need clients. That, that's the reality. So you need people to buy your good, your service, uh, whatever you know you are producing. So be careful, don't do the worst mistake that an entrepreneur, a founder can do. That is uh, to fall in love with his own idea too much without testing it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because uh, it can be the most beautiful idea. But if you don't have a public, you know, interested in that, it's not good for a company, you know, maybe it's good for something else, but it's not good for making money. Mm. So this is the first step, the most important one. The second thing is to uh, define a strategy. So what they call it, you know, business plan, even if you're not so good, you know, with business plan, you can find someone helping you. Me personally, I didn't know anything. You know, I started political science. I just Googled it and I, I looked at it. I studied, mm. I bought books, you know, so I really wanted to, educate myself yeah. and uh, and then you can write down yours it's very important you know to write down the numbers uh, the timing uh, and to understand because of course you don't want to waste too much money uh, if you don't have money you need to find investors so the investors they need to mm-hmm. see this business plan because they need to understand that uh, you know there is a concrete idea you know that you're pragmatic you're not just a dreamer that of course it's good to be dreamers but uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur you have to mix creativity with the pragmatism mm-hmm. so it's very important and then the third thing i think the, the most important thing is to create your website because a website nowadays mm. is like your business card you know without a website you can't i don't really think you can have you know a good company personally without a, a website and without uh, google and google adwords i don't think i could have found you know all the clients that we have uh, you know in my company so this is really really a good advantage and you should take advantage of internet mm-hmm. uh, as much as you can so uh, website and then first step uh, learning how to do web marketing web marketing so it's fundamental mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so I, what do you mean with web marketing for example so first of all google adwords you have mm-hmm. to learn how to use it personally i learned myself at the beginning i didn't have so much money so yeah. i i had to you know to do everything by myself i was really the founder doing everything mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is the case many times you know and it's also fascinating it's exciting mm-hmm. and um you can just learn how to do that you know find the keywords and understand how you know the mm-hmm. timing when you want the ads to go online and stuff like that because of course you know business you can find clients through networking through a word of mouth but if you really want to scale your business and have many more clients uh, i mean web marketing is a tool also because it's less expensive than normal marketing you know it's less expensive than buying a page on a newspaper on a magazine Mm -hmm. and so uh, so later uh, i'm sure you will share some of the websites with me that i can put below the podcast for the the listeners to go and check out right sure yeah perfect so number five we have one more yeah, and number five, uh, I would say to just give all your heart and your passion to your business and 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 really share your passion with people who are working with you. And uh, even if it's your friend at the beginning, you know, or if there are, I don't know, five employees because you have the budget to hire five mm-hmm. employees, you need to share your passion. If your employees, your co-workers, your your friends they don't feel it they would never put their heart on you know the business and especially the first year and the first two years are fundamental you know for the growth and the the life expense the reputation expense, yeah, everything of your society and uh, and you know every company is made by people remember that people it's not money it's not numbers it's mm-hmm. people so they make the difference so every time i step into my office i make sure i have the right level of energy every time every time i give motivational speeches every time i make them dream every time i give positivity even if Mm. things are going wrong i say okay now we're going bad but i'm sure the next three months will be amazing you know you have to do the best that you can so really really motivate them so motivation Mm. is the key i strongly believe in that that's very good 
I'm also learning <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for my company. Um, so going over then, because people always say you learn from your mistakes. What were your biggest mistakes when you launched your company and how can we learn from it? I would love to add also that people can learn from the mistakes of other people. <laughs> it's very important mm -hmm. because I, um, I'm a big observer and I also like to study the industry very much, especially mm -hmm. beginning. In fact, actually, sorry, I forgot to tell you, but maybe this is the sixth point <laughs> of finding a business is to find your benchmark mm -hmm. and, of course, relate into it, uh, to your industry and really studying it deeply, like what they did, you know, how they made it, uh, why they're at the top, which mistakes they did. So try to find as much information as you can. So if you find out that they made mistakes, remember that mm -hmm. and don't do the same mistakes. This is very, very important. Personally, uh, I think my main mistake was to trust a friend and she was kind of running away with a lot of clients that oh, I made. No. Yeah, that's terrible. That was terrible. And uh, I was very naive at the time, you know, I didn't sign anything with her. So then I learned my lesson. So now every time I launch a brand, I, I do the copyright, <laughs> I, I, you know, I do the patent for the um, for the brand and I sign, you know, contracts with everyone, even if they're friends, you know, I mean, it's always good to have uh, a contract in place. So hire a lawyer, it's never, you know, an expense, is an investment. Okay, that's very good. So, well, that's really, really, really useful. Thank you so much, Paola. So, I have a few questions left. One, personally, which for me, I'm struggling with as a businesswoman, which is, how does a woman find the confidence to express her self-worth in business, say, with asking for appropriate pay for her work? think uh, a woman should definitely be confident enough to ask for everything and again everything comes from uh, understanding your value and uh, you know respecting your own dignity you know and your own persona and here i think that men and women should do the same completely the same i hear you when you say that because i understand that women they come from another story again we were mm. you know, brought up saying that we have to take care of others we have to be humble. We have, don't have to be ambitious. You know, ambitious was a bad word in my childhood. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why. But <laughs> I remember even my father once told me, oh, you are too popular on Internet. If I Google your name. <laughs> <laughs> How odd. <laughs> so, Bless him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think just, you know, uh, I have a good tip actually for you. It's. Tell uh, me. It's very easy. You can wake up every day and uh, look inside the mirror, you know, when you finish your makeup, you, you dress up and look at yourself in your eyes and say, I'm worth it. You know, I, I can make it. I will succeed. I will mm. make it. I will do it. You know, mm. I will win no matter what. So always motivate yourself. Beautiful. Empower yourself. And then listen to a music. I love all this, you know, music related to, you know, fighting, boxing, Rocky, whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I have all this music. Front of the mirror. I am the tiger. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I promise you. And it's good. It's just good. You know, you feel, you feel empowered. And mm. you just have to do by yourself. You know, you have to empower yourself. Yeah. Don't wait for anyone else to come, you know, and give you the power. You can mm. do that by yourself. And you will get there. You will take the power. You will ask for your pay rise. You would, and personally, I respect, you know, a lot, you know, women when they do that, you know, mm. even if they're my employees and they're asking for <laughs> a pay rise, <laughs> you know, immediately after I hire them, I, I actually respect them, you mm. know, because I'm like, oh, she has the, you know, the gut. She can do that. And it's good, you know, mm. because you don't have to be shy, especially to talk about money. This is another thing, you know. Mm. We, we weren't brought up talking to talk about money. You know, money is like, you know, something you shouldn't discuss about. But why, you know? I mean, you have to think about how to sustain yourself, your children. And mm -hmm. it's all about money, you know, because you have to use money. I'm not saying that money is everything because totally I don't agree with that, you know. Yeah. I think it's only an instrument. You can use it to be free, to do what, uh, what we want and uh, eventually to spend our time doing other things that are more, you know, important like what we do you know i mean mm -hmm. advocating for you know human rights and women's rights 
and uh, but yeah talk about money there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. and uh, you know as, as an entrepreneur i always tell all my you know consultants you don't have to be shy to ask the client to pay yeah. because seriously i mean because it's I a still, profession it's not I a know. charity i mean they, they just I have know. to pay you know we are pro- offering a service you know mm. you receive a salary every month uh, we pay taxes every month you know so as money doesn't come from the sky it doesn't come yeah. from the state it doesn't come from the church <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and there's nothing wrong. No, I, I, I really, me personally, I struggled with that because obviously as I was married to who I was married and having my company now, while well, I always worked while I was pregnant, their whole childhood I worked and now as well. So I don't even know what it means not to work. But um, now having my own company and coming from that background, when my secretary... Um, shares the different fees for the different uh, jobs that are required or requested by the client. Still today, even yesterday, I had that situation inside me. I feel it makes me feel sick because I feel, oh, my goodness, I don't want to upset anyone and I don't want them to feel that I'm doing it for the money. But, you know, it's obviously there's a lot of preparation that goes in it. There's travel that goes in it. That's time I don't spend with my kids. Um, and, and it's just really, yeah, I'm also struggling with that still. And each time my secretary pushes that send button, like it's almost like there's a lot of adrenaline, but at the same time, I'm relieved after because I think that, and that is maybe my message to the ones who are listening now, um, know your self-worth because if you don't know your self-worth, no one else will find it for you. Uh, It's almost like when a plane crashes and the masks come down, you need to put your masks on first before you can help anyone else. And yes, as you said, it's not a charity work. Yes, you can work with charities, but also these charity people, they also paid. Um, You don't get the money from the state. You don't get it from church, as you said, which I love, which is so true. It's really, it's a, it's a service, it's a business. And I think um, I myself also need to learn more to stay stronger with my own confidence and uh, believe more into the work I'm providing, into the worth of the work I'm providing. Because I know it is excellent because I give my best. But yeah, with the money part, I think I also need to learn that it is not a dirty word. It's a word. Exactly. It's it's a yeah. it's a tool to enable change, and we all yeah. trade with it. Yeah. To live our lives, and I think um, that is definitely well. That is definitely a podcast on its own. <laughs> yeah. But I it know. is definitely a topic that we all need to learn, especially us women. So thank you for uh, also encouraging me uh, to step up my game a bit and 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 not be afraid to use that word. Yes, absolutely. Don't be, please. Thank you so much. I will definitely, uh, that empowered me personally a lot because it's one in my own business that I was struggling the most. So um, we're almost done, but I don't want to leave you yet. I just want to ask one special question to you because it's just so fabulous. And I don't get to see you too much, uh, even though on WhatsApp we're very connected, but to see each other physically is always so rare because you travel a lot, I travel a lot. Um, so tell us all, what's next in Paula land? <laughs> I love this question. So next, uh, there's a project that I love, and it's similar to your project because it's a video podcast, and oh. um, the name is Unleashed, the Game Changers. So I will have meaningful conversations with inspiring and successful uh, uh, entrepreneurs, scientists, doctors, philanthropists, uh, athletes, uh, both women and men. Of course, I will highlight a lot, you know, women and what they Mm -hmm. do. And these people are not necessarily already successful, but I think they're worth of visibility. Because in a shallow war, uh, you know, a world, in a shallow you know, a culture where we are only talking, especially if we think about women, you know, uh, about the fame of models and actresses, you know, and again, nothing against them, but I think there are other, you know, professions that mm. uh, should have, uh, you know, more light, like, uh, you know, the one of scientists, that for me are rock stars, you know, mm-hmm. or the one of yes. philanthropists, you know, or other women who are really changing their industry and the society with a silent 
work and with their, with their rebellion, you know, because maybe they're re rebels, you know. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so this is my new project and uh, I want to invite you. So this is an official invitation because <laughs> I think you are a game changer as well. And Thank I you. think you're a great role model for girls and women. And I admire you so much. And so please come. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I accept very, very gratefully. Um, now everyone has heard that. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned for Paola's amazing podcast, video podcast then. And then last one yes. is a documentary based on my book. Uh, oh. It should be produced by uh, these two amazing friends that I have uh, and their company, production company, Enlightenment Production. So we are working on this project uh, and uh, I should interview women uh, who are talking about in my book and of course others. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, give them visibility and uh, show them to the world. I love it. So guys, um, go and get Paula's book. I make sure under the podcast that Every, all of the links are shared. Also that how you can contact her. I will put the Instagram, her Instagram. I will put her website. I will put the details to a book where you can buy it. And also with the book, once you read it, please review it on Amazon and all of the platforms um, because it's important to also get to know your opinion and what you think about her book and uh, what she's arguing. And also as she was saying now with the documentary, once you read the book and you say, goodness, I know someone in Delhi, I know someone in African state, I know someone in Europe who would be perfect to be interviewed by Paula because that is her, that example is like my friend or is like that person I know. Please as well, do get in touch with Paula. She would be really, really happy about that. Okay. So I think we have reached the end, dear Paula. Um, what one last sentence you want our listeners to retain one quote, something you want them to remember from today. I would say, believe in yourself and uh, never ever stop dreaming and never ever stop learning. Life is a beautiful journey. You can make the difference. I love it. Thank you so, so much, Paula. So this is, this concludes the first episode of uh, meeting your friends through Tessie's lens. Uh, my guest, Paula Diana. Um, thank you as well to my executive producer, which you can't sadly see, but is behind the camera, Farron Angie, my best friend, DJ Ninja, and also CEO of Regent Racing. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, below, please uh, send your comments. Would love to hear from you. Would love to hear your opinions. And um, yeah, tune in soon. Thank you so much. Goodbye.